Amen. Welcome, everybody. You've been prayed for. I tell you what, if you're just tuning in, you're going to be in for a treat today. We've got a special guest speaker, my buddy, Vic Tunwa. And I just want to say thank you guys for all you do. Thanks for sharing the message. And I hope that you guys can make it out in person real soon uh, to, to Nine Cedar Road at 10 a.m. sometime. So that will be a blessing anytime we can do that. we got many of our church family on the road today, so we want to remember them in, uh, in prayer. But what we've been trying to do a little bit this month is bring some different folks in to share a few things so we can get a global perspective. How I many know we can get kind of comfortable? Sometimes we get kind of spoiled. And I think it's really good when we turn around and we realize that, uh, you know what? We have been blessed, but no matter where you are, I want you to hear that. No matter where you are, God's hands are long enough to reach you and transform your life when you call on the name of Jesus. So with that being said, y'all give a warm welcome to my buddy, Vic Tumwa. Come on up, Vic. All right. I'm going to get Vic up here and get him all turned on and ready to go, and then we're going to pray over him. Come on up here, brother, and we're going to pray for you, and then you're going to take off with you. Awful. today. I want to get signed up and drink out of you. You're ready. He's ready. How you like that deep voice? How you doing? I'm good. How you doing? <laughs> now, I've worked with Vic probably out of, off and on for probably 10, 12 years. But just the last probably five or six months, he's been working on our building. It's been a blessing. And I got to stop by his office one day, and we were just talking about things of the Lord. And he started sharing his story. And I said, you've got to come share that with our, our congregation. He said, he said, I would love to. I love it, man. Not like that. We <laughs> <laughs> have a good time. So let's, let's pray for our brother here. We're going to turn it over to him. Lord, I just thank you for making his willingness. Lord, I thank you for each one here. And Lord, I just ask you to just anoint him today as he shares the good news of what you've done in his life and that you're willing to do in all. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 I appreciate it. Okay, this is my boundary, isn't it? I can walk up to someone here. <laughs> I'll just stay behind the podium in case I get stage fright. I'll be behind the podium. Okay. I would like to start by thanking uh, Buddy for this opportunity. I am very humbled because uh, you know, I get to share my story with you and everybody has a story. Each one of us has a story. And if you look close enough within, within your story, whether you might admit it or not, you will see the hand of God. So uh, what I have here is... Uh, my story in terms of just, it's a presentation on the country that I grew up in. I would like to apologize in advance if it seems a little more like a geography lesson than the word you came here on Sunday. I, I don't know if you do this interactively, but we, as we go through the slides, if you have any questions, if there's something that I say that is not clear, please do not hesitate. Make it as interactive as possible so that, you know, we can all learn as much as we can. Okay, so um, with that said, here we go. Uh, Kenya. Oh, must have loaded the wrong slides. Oh, I'm kidding. <laughs> Those are symbols that mean things to us as Americans. Every country has a flag and a coat of arms. Thirteen stripes, thirteen stripes, thirteen olives for peace, thirteen arrows for if you do not like peace. From many, one, it's a coat of arms. Every country has these symbols that mean this, it kind of symbolizes pride. And in Kenya, we also have a flag and a coat of arms that look like that. The black stripe on top is for the people, the red is for the bloodshed during the, the fight for independence because most countries were British colonies back in the day. The green is for natural resources. We have a shield and spears for offense and defense. We have a coat of arms 
with natural resources, lions, the shield and the spear, and Harambe, which in the American coat of arms eat the rivers onam, that's from many one. And in Kenya, Harambe means unity or pulling together. Many of us remember that uh, an incident of several months ago about a gorilla that was shot in a zoo somewhere. The gorilla was called Harambe, but it's a Swahili word that means pulling together unity. Slide menu at the head, PowerPoint presentations with many words. I'm going to go through this very quickly so you can get to the pictures. Kenya is located in East Africa, right on the equator, with a population of about 43 million people. That's probably more, because that is 2012 data, and uh, the Kenyans are rather prolific people. <laughs> the largest city is Nairobi, and Mombasa is the second largest city. There are two official languages, English and Swahili, even though there are dozens of other languages. We'll talk a little bit more about that. Uh, it shares Lake Victoria, which is the second largest freshwater lake in the world, uh, with the borders with Tanzania and Uganda, and it features many national parks, wildlife preserves, and safaris as potential tourist attractions. Agriculture is very important to the economy in Kenya, especially tea, coffee, and flowers. They drive on the left side of the road, which is something that, you know, if you don't travel much and you go to a country where the steering wheel of the vehicle is on the opposite side, it kind of throws you off. Okay, the country was named after a mountain. The tallest mountain is uh, 17,000 feet. Gained independence from the United Kingdom, that's the British, in 1963. Hydroelectricity is the largest contributor to Kenya's electrical supply. We have many rivers that we dam for electricity. And Kenya is uh, a developing country. We call them developing countries. We used to say, World, but then something happened and we have to be politically correct to say developing country. And uh, a lot of the population live kind of in some type of poverty. And in sports, people know that Kenyans are typically middle and long distance runners. When I came to this country, say, hey, I'm vacant from Kenya, and the first question everybody asks me is, do you run? So, no, I do not run. I, I, I have a car and I drive. And besides, Let's look at some pictures. So uh, just to give you a visual of where the country is at, that's the world we are somewhere right there on. I can't hold this steady. And in terms of where Africa is, Kenya is right there, and right there, and right here. Kenya is about maybe four and a half times the size of Virginia. And this is an old map because it's, you see eight administrative provinces that don't exist anymore because in 2010 they had a constitutional amendment that divided the country into 47 counties. And that's, uh, the, uh, they're led by governors. It is located on the equator. Something many people coming to different countries have to get used to is seasons. The question is, when is sunrise? In Kenya, the sun rises and sets between 6 a.m. and 6 p.m. with a difference of about 15 minutes every day of the year. It is, uh, Something we take for granted here, you know, being uh, in a temperate region, the seasons change. The sun moves from the uh, north to the south and at the, at the earth tilts. And one time, the sun will rise at 5.15, and later during the year, the sun will rise at 6.30, uh, 6.45. I had to get used to those differences when I came here because uh, I first went to London on my way here, and I think I was a little bit traumatized when uh, I got there at 
3.30 p.m. and the sun was setting. It made absolutely no sense. It's something I've gotten used to now. Uh, but Kenya being right on the equator, uh, that's uh, zero degrees. Those are my, uh, some of my relatives sending at the equator. They're sending at 9,000 feet. We do not have seasons. Spring, winter, fall, summer. And we have, uh, rather we have rainy season and the dry season when people plant and harvest the crops. The uh, trees are mostly uh, non-deciduous. They don't shed leaves. So while we're here, we should, even though I don't like the cold, I never have. I'm trying to get used to the, the winter that is coming. The change of seasons is a beautiful thing. And when the leaves turn color in the fall, and when the leaves start growing in the spring, I, I, I'm always in awe of that. Uh, there are about uh, 43 million people. Uh, that's, uh, they're involved in a political rally. There's politics all over the world. Somebody's getting elected president. And this is uh, some uh, elders in traditional dress. Uh, there's a lot of uh, Western influence in Kenya, so we don't have many people dressing like that anymore, even though different tribes can be identified by the way they dress. And these are just crowds of school children. And for those of you who, that's former president when he visited Kenya. We don't really get to see the country, or when you think of an African city, we don't think of things like this, because that's not what National Geographic gets to show you. <laughs> They'll show you villages or more poor, poor places. But then, it is a modern city, Nairobi is, with the, the population is approximately 3 million people. That is a little bit of a problem, because there's a lot of migration from rural areas to urban areas, and that is Nairobi, and people look for jobs, and that causes some of the poverty that the country experiences because not always the jobs are available and three million people in one city is kind of a big population to deal with. The second largest city is Mombasa. It's kind of a, a resort town. It's a beautiful place to go. I put that picture there. That is a, it was built in the 1500s by the Portuguese in East Africa. It is called Fort Jesus, which is an ironic name given that this fort was used mainly as a depot for slaves who were being transported to the Arab world during that time. It is a very interesting place to visit and uh, there are many resort places that cater to tourists mainly and that right there who recognizes that that is a mosque. We're going to say a little bit more about that. And those are my children uh, enjoying a camel ride at the beach in Mombasa. National parks and wildlife reserves, that's one of the main attractions in Kenya. Uh, safari is a popular activity for tourism. And tourism, in addition to agriculture, is an important source for uh, revenue for the country. And as you can see, that's the Nairobi city right behind. And you have a national park just a couple of miles away from the city. It's uh, fans from the area that have a lot of population, even though every now and then there is some human and wildlife interaction that is not necessarily a good thing. And that's uh, curious for sale. Again, tourism is a big deal in Kenya. We have some of these in shops at the mall, and I see the prizes that we have on some of these things in the mall. I think they're really exorbitant based on if you bought them uh, locally made. And once again, agriculture is very important for the economy. Uh, tea and coffee. Well, uh, I still don't drink coffee, and I can drink it, but I don't like it. They're mainly exports. When we grew up in Kenya, we drank a lot of tea, and we drank it with milk and sugar. 
me and my wife drinks black coffee and she's been trying to get me to do that for 20 years without any success. So the export, and you can see, uh, we have more small-scale farmers than uh, large-scale farmers, and the reason for that is uh, mechanized farming is rather expensive. You know, it, it, sometimes farmers band together and form a cooperative, and they can rent out a combine harvester, but it's more the norm to have people who are just working by themselves like this. It'll take a long time for that one to get done, but then he's going to get the job done. And she's not going to get the job done. She's shaking her Facebook account. <laughs> so we say the country is named after this mountain, Mount Kenya, which is uh, 17,000 feet. Who wants to attempt to pronounce that word? See, yeah. the thing is you guys are probably all hooked on point. Go ahead. Yeah, yeah, go, go for it. That's excellent. Right there. I think she gave him a hand. It's, it's a, <laughs> I like that, you know, like the Spanish vowel, vowels, A-E-I-O-U-R-A-E-O-U for A-E-I-O and U. That's Swahili words, and most languages in Kenya, the vowels have the Spanish sound. So this is uh, a Kikui word, not a Swahili word. It's a Kikui word, meaning the place where God rests. When the Europeans came uh, to colonize the country, they were kind of astounded to find a snow-capped mountain in the middle of the tropics. Uh, yes, snow in the tropics. And the Kikuyu said, this place is called Kirinyaga, as uh, Mr. Thomas has said. And if you pronounce it with those words, it becomes Kere, not Kiri, but that's all good. <laughs> it means the place, that's uh, where the country's name came from. And I put this here as some trivia. Uh, uh, Amerigo Vespucci, just for those of you who probably know it, but if you don't, here we go. This guy explored the new world after Christopher Columbus in between uh, 1498 and 1505 AD. Amerigo Vespucci, when he went back, he wrote reports about the new world that people thought was India in the East. And uh, the reports that were put out gave his name the Latinized version of this name, Americas, which is where the United States of America, the name America comes from here. I just thought that was interesting to put that there. All right, we said Kenya gained independence from the United Kingdom in 1963. So the 4th of July in Kenya happens on December the 12th. You can see the uh, British were not very kind to the countries that they colonized sometimes. We have uh, celebrations. Uh, there are celebrations in Kenya like we do here. We have parades and uh, fireworks. Like we said, it is a developing country where half the population live in poverty. Something that Buddy asked me, he said, if you had a salary of $30,000 a year, would that be adequate in Kenya? And I, I had to bust out laughing at that one because uh, poverty here means, for example, uh, if you don't get three meals a day, that is critical in the United States. That is something that needs looked into. But when we talk about poverty in a developing or third world country, we're talking about people who live on about a dollar a day. Uh, people who have absolutely uh, nothing. Uh, I looked at this picture and uh, somebody probably caught in the middle between rural and urban migration. You go to the city to look for job and if you don't find it, you can't go back to the country and you put up ramshackle like this and you live in it and you find a whole family living in a place like this. And one thing I know about the people who live in places like this is that they are very spiritual. It is most humbling to visit somebody in a heart like this because 
I could almost guarantee at 100%. If you ask this person for food and they had very little of it, they would gladly share it with you. It is very humbling to experience something like that. And the city that you saw, those nice uh, urban buildings, they're interspersed with villages. Call this a village or a slum like this because they just crop up and there are no building standards, there's no sanitation, there's no running water, but they, they make it. And uh, Kenya is best known for middle and long distance running. We've already talked about that. I used to run, and then I met Buddy, who's been filling me with ice cream and pumpkin cake and spiced chicken. So, yeah, not anymore. Thanks, Buddy. Uh, my wife sometimes goes crazy because uh, she, my wife is from Kansas. She spent some time with my sister and my mom and my aunt, and they taught her how to cook some African food. And that's what she's done for my daughters and I. Ugali, sukuma, samaki, and mandazi. That's just some local name of the food that she makes for us. And uh, Kenyans are big on fish. We've already spoken about the official languages, English and Swahili. Uh, Kenya was colonized by the British, but there were many separate languages within the country, called them tribes, if you will. For example, uh, my father and my mother are from different tribes, if you will. And my dad is Bukusu and my mom is Marachi. So when the Europeans left the country, when we got independence, you imagine all these fractures that have been caused. Who is going to leave the country? A way to develop unity was to have everybody speak Swahili in addition to their mother tongue. So uh, Swahili became a national language in addition to English. Because that was the language of the colonizers. Uh, there are many Swahili words that you might be familiar with, but you don't even know that those are Swahili words. Uh, from the Lion King, who is this guy? Simba and Rafiki and Pumba and Hakuna Matara. If you go to the next slide, you see that all those are Swahili words. Uh, uh, safari means travel, and Rafiki means friend, Pumba means idiot, you know. Arabic means pull together. So uh, Swahili is not just spoken in Kenya, it's spoken in about six other East African countries. Kenya is a religious country. The missionaries who came to Kenya in the late 18th and 19th century spread their religion. My father is a Quaker, my mother is an Anglican. That's from the Church of England. So I grew up in a Christian household. There are times I wonder, if that had not been the case, what would things be like now? One thing I know for sure is that God would manifest himself in my life eventually. I'm very glad I grew up in a Christian household anyway. So the statistics there, 83% uh, Christian. We have uh, the Protestants, Catholics, and other Christians. We have Muslims, we have traditionalists, we have Hindus. It's uh, Baha'i, all kinds of religions, but predominantly Christian. Uh, there are some rumblings because, you know, a separation of church and state. Kenya is a rather conservative country, and that causes some tensions within the country. So I was going, I mean, uh, the schools in Kenya, what are schools like in Kenya? I would summarize those in three words. There is uh, God, 
academics and discipline. So both schools I went to, I went to primary, the education system is called A44. You have eight years in primary school, four years in high school, and then four years in college. When you get to your eighth year in primary school, you sit for a national exam. There's about 100, maybe 500,000 of you competing for fewer spots to go to high school. You have to pass that exam to go to high school. When you get to the end of high school, you sit for another national exam in order to go to college. And something I have found is that since I came to the United States and you know, I went to college here, I never experienced even a fraction of the academic pressure that I did in high school because it was very intense. You don't have a lot of choices. Both my schools, primary and high school, were founded by missionaries. Um, my primary school was in a town called Kitani. And you can see those buildings. I put that building right there because where the pointer is, right there, that's classroom 8Y. And that's where in uh, April, not April, May 1984, I got saved. It's, 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 uh, I, I like to think, I like to think that I had a choice, you know, growing up in a Christian household, my dad and mom are both religious, that I chose to get saved, but I know, I know for sure based on all my experience since that God chose me as he has, and he knew me when I was in the womb, so he chose me and I'm very glad that he did. In primary school, we have morning assembly every day where you say the prayers. At night before you go to bed, you say prayers. When you go to the dining room for food, you say prayers. We prayed all the time. We have teachers who instructed us in, you know, not just uh, Christian religion, but in getting... Christian religion is, is okay, but then within the religion, we have to get a relationship with God. And we worked very hard on that. So that's the name of the school, Kitale uh, School. You would say T-Tail, if you're hooked on phonics, it's Kitale. Uh, it was established in September 9th, 1929. Their motto was Persevere. They do wear school uniform, which is something I tell my kids if I got into any place of authority within schools here, I'd probably make you guys wear uniform. Because it's, it, I have seen the strain my teenage daughters go through getting just the right outfit to wear to wear and, and feeding in country house and my goodness gracious. For eight years in primary school I wore the blue sweater, the khaki shorts and the, the checkered shirt. You get up in the morning, Monday through Friday, you know what you're wearing, it's uniform. And uh, there are times you hear about missions and missionaries going to other countries to help people and things. When I got this picture I saw the Water Missions International, I looked up that church. That is uh, Fields Church. It's actually in uh, somewhere in San Diego. Um, somebody said, let's get some money together to send people to help somebody in an African country, get some clean water. Many times you don't see what your contributions do, but they do a lot. And like I said, both my primary and high school were founded by missionaries, and I have to thank them for whatever stage I've reached in my life right now. High School, Alliance High School. Alliance High School was formed by an alliance of missionaries from uh, the Church of Scotland, which I think became known as the Presbyterian Church of East Africa. Uh, the Methodist Church and the African Indian Church, for the name of the school is Alliance. The motto is strong to serve. And I tell people, I think I'm institutionalized based on, you know, in school, 
the discipline aspect of it is very enforced. Once again, you wear uniforms, and that is the chapel. It was built like a synagogue, very uh, religious-based. We spent even more time than we did in primary school. We went to the chapel every single day, every day, what we studied. And then on Sunday, you have the main service. On Saturday, you have morning announcements and a little bit of chapel. On Thursday morning, we had choir practice because we had mandatory things. And Monday through Monday, you go to church. So it was really inculcated in us. And then we had other activities we did uh, in wanting us not to do uh, one of the things that Jesus commands in terms of serving. We took part in activities like going out to the uh, nursing homes and the children's homes just to visit and be with them and show them support. And uh, maybe a little bit about the academic rigor that we went through in school. Uh, all the subjects that you see lined up there were what we had to sit for when we did the national exam in the, what is that, 12th grade. And uh, the reason I came to this country in 1994 was because in 91, when I sat for this exam, now let me back, back up just a little bit. When you go to high school in America, sometimes you have a choice. I mean, if you decide not to go to college, that's fine. You can choose other paths. But in Kenya, going to college is not something. When you go to high school, you go to high school because you're going to college. My very first day in high school, they put us together as a freshman, and we were supposed to select a number of things that you're interested in or you might be interested in when you go to college. That's four years away. And you walk towards that goal from your first day as a freshman. And I was talking about intense academic pressure because many times when you get up in your dormitories, because we have boarding schools, maybe at four in the morning you're the only one left because everybody is going to class to study. What you learn as a freshman, you are responsible for when you get to your senior year and you see for that exam. The schools in Kenya have um, a holiday system, not three months of summer, because like they say, we don't have any seasons. It's December, April, and August. Those are the holidays. One month holiday, three months school. One month holiday, three months school. And like I said, it's a boarding system. So when, uh, in 1982, I left home. I was uh, eight years old. My brother and I get a big old suitcase. We get put on a bus and we travel approximately 200 miles away from home. And you don't get to see your parents again for another three months. So when the holidays get there, you get on the bus and travel back home. When I look back on that, that probably contributed to some of my uh, independence, if you will. Yeah, because I do miss people food at home, but then for most of my life I've been, you know, away from the people at home. Uh, are there any questions? <coughs> education, yes. Well, actually, no. Uh, they call it public education, but it is not free. And uh, that is part of the reason why the emphasis on the national exams are really great, because only a fraction of the people who sit for the national exams can go into either secondary school or into college. So you have to pay a fee. And like I said, we spent a lot of time getting closer to girls when we were in, in school. Yes? What you're, what you're trying to say is uh, high school is a 
primary school, yes. So primary school That's correct. From there, how does the parents choose to go? You chose. And let me answer that question right then back here. The reason I came to the United States of America is because when I was a freshman, I wrote down five things that I would be interested in doing when I go to college. The first one was architecture. I had Bachelor of uh, Science or Commerce, Bachelor of Arts, Design. So I was very confident in my academic ability that I only thought about the past one. The others I just put because you know you got a form to fill, fill it out. But the final exam, the these subjects, math, physics, chemistry, biology, and English. If you get five A's, an A is 12 points. So if you get five A's, you get 60. That is your cluster to get architecture. I got an A minus in physics, which bumped me down 59 out of 60, and it bumped me out of architecture. So I got relegated down to Bachelor of Arts Design, which I did not want to do in college. My father gave me a choice. He said, oh, you can go to America, but again, you'll be on your own. And I said, OK. And the rest is history. So it is a merit system, and it is very cutting. I mean, the, the competition is reasonably sharp. I, I am still rather bitter about that A minus, but <laughs> you know, most of my friends went to be architects and doctors. Uh, I said, well, I have a couple of questions. How about we just make this like our living room here? Okay. One second. So I'm going to put this right here. Come on, get comfortable. Getting right under the light. <laughs> Man, give Nick a hand for coming out and sharing a little bit. Okay. 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 Somebody's been through so many different things and a lot of pressure. He's about the happiest guy I know, and uh, so I, and and I know one thing too. Do they have, do they have ice cream there? Oh, for goodness' sake! Because <laughs> I tell you, man, he loves ice cream. We love getting cookies. Who doesn't love ice cream? Yeah, I, I told him when he first started working with us. I said, man, you ought to weigh yourself now and weigh yourself in a year because nobody ever stays under that. But what I want to share with you a little bit or ask a little bit about that, you know, you can see that that we are very blessed in this country. Yes. And you know, and, and something I see, you left home to, to go out and, and start making your way through school at eight years old. Is that what I understood? Yes. Eight years but, old. So that's my wife is a second grade school teacher. They're about eight years old, right? Is that seven, eight years old? So at second grade, can you imagine uh, getting on a bus and yeah. hearing that that's a little different for us. And, and you know it was it wasn't easy when I first went to boarding school because uh, we don't have things like uh, washing machines, so we have to hand wash our clothes. You have to protect your stuff because if you're not careful, they get lost or somebody will take them. And you also have to defend yourself from uh, bullies who are everywhere. Yeah. So I, <laughs> we did, I did a lot of crying, but in, a, in retrospect, in hindsight, that really toughens you up. Yeah. So what did you think when you first met? How old were you when you came to the United States? I was 19. 19 years yeah. old? And you came, was it Kansas? Uh, for some strange reason, as much as I don't like the winter, it turns out that I came here in December <laughs> to the Midwest. That was not very smart because, you know, like we have a lot of Western influence in, in Kenya. We get to watch a lot of movies and I see uh, scenes of people in the snow. They're just walking about, kids are playing in the snow, hitting each other with snowballs, even think it's warm. I'm like, it can't be a big deal. 
And I got off that plane, I was like, this is some sick joke. Honestly, <laughs> well, because, because it doesn't get, the only cold you will experience like that in um, the tropics is in your freezers, in the refrigerators. And this is outside, this is, you know, who needs a refrigerator in this weather? So, yeah, that, that, that was really hard for me because, for example, when I got my first job, I had to walk in the snow. I'm like, no, I, I'm going back to Kenya, I can't do this. <laughs> so now, tell us a little bit about what you do at work. I mean, I know, but now you, you've got your engineering degree. Yeah. And, and give me a little background. Come on, shine a little bit. Tell them what, tell them what you do out there at NASA, hold that place together. I try to keep body in line. It's a full time job. <laughs> Did I have uh, to tell you all that Vic is actually my boss? Did I tell you that? <laughs> no, I, I, we're, we're just colleagues at work. Oh, I, uh, I was a test engineer at the wind tunnel for, uh, oh, I started that in 2003, and then in 2007, I became a facility safety head for the transonic wind tunnel. And then in 2009, I became an operations manager for the same tunnel. I was at the transonic dynamics tunnel from 2009 until June of this year when uh, my boss, you know, when everything's going the way it should be and so somebody just comes and throws in a hand grenade and shuffles everything. Mm-hmm. So my boss came and said, hey, we need you to go to eight foot you know, to become a test director. I'm currently training to be a test director at the eight foot hydrogen tunnel. And for me, working, see, uh, Buddy's been at that tunnel for how long, Buddy? Uh, Total time thirty. You can you cannot imagine the level of experience and knowledge, plus playing music that this guy has in his hand. <laughs> it, it's just amazing because it's a very uh, intricate facility. It, it really is, and we have a good time at work. We've been really blessed with that. But uh, now you've got two daughters and a beautiful yes. wife, right? How yes. old are your um, daughters? Uh, my daughters are sixteen and fourteen. All right. So when you tell them you had a tough, they just don't want to hear it, do you? Oh, no. Uh, <laughs> and, and, you know, some, of the, some of the things that I went through growing up, like I said, I'm institutionalized. Because even to this day, as soon as I get home today, I'm putting out my clothes for the next day. It's the first thing that I do. In my mind, I know all the clothes that I'm wearing from now until Friday. Because that's just the way I have been. Mm-hmm. It, it doesn't change. Um, when my daughters were eight years old, when the young one was eight, I show them how to do their laundry. I don't do their laundry anymore. You taught them how to cook it. It's just the way I was raised. I'm putting that into them. And many times they protest. They're like, this is, this is not Kenya. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> that's, that's awesome. Yeah, I tell you what, I'm really thankful that you come out and share with us today. And uh, any other questions? Yeah. yeah. I was going to say, so in your time at school, yeah. It is not easy uh, being away from your parents when you're a young kid, but then uh, you're there with hundreds of others. For me, I, I prayed every night, and I still do. And uh, that's part of what brought me through. Uh, I, cannot come, I cannot come up with a specific example, but then I just know, in looking back, that I had God with me the whole time. Absolutely. I still do. Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. There's a beauty to the 
that is uh, my high school prayer, and I'd like us to recite it if I could please get you to. But instead of saying uh, this school, you'll say this church, keep the promise. I've been here a couple of minutes, and I feel a lot of love and joy in you know, the, the hugging church. And I feel very blessed just being in your presence. And also this, instead of saying man, say man and human. So let's, let's go ahead and say that together. Okay. Have in thy keeping, O Lord, our God, this church, that its work may be thorough and its life joyful, that from it may go out strong in body, mind, and character, men and women, who in thy name and with thy power will serve their fellows faithfully through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Thank you. I really appreciate that. And I want you know, I just had a couple of things that I wanted to share. And uh, man, that is awesome, isn't it? You know, I think it's so good to, for us to have an opportunity to see what other folks have experienced and what other folks have, have done and dealt with. And so with that, just talking to Vic, I didn't know exactly what he had in uh, in mind today because I like to give, you know, our guest speakers the, the latitude to, to share their story. And I, I want to say thank you again. But there was really a, a few things that I, I thought about uh, as I talked to him just prior to this. Uh, and I thought about it's all about trusting in God. And I want to go through our scripture today. And it says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean out on your own understanding and all your ways acknowledge him and he will make your path straight. Somebody say amen. amen. I tell you what, that is a blessing right there. And as I, I shared and just, you know, like I said, when I talked to him in his office a couple of weeks ago when we were talking about this, I, I really picked out three things. And that's going to be my points today. And really the challenges, the choices, and ultimately the change. Amen. So I want to t- take a look at those today. When you think about challenges, look at that. I said, even when we don't know what's next, God does. I'm sure many times in his life, many times in our life, we think, my goodness, I don't know which way I'm going. Anybody ever feel like that? You're thinking, I have not got any idea what's next. But I'm going to tell you what, just like our brother said, he was, he was a praying man and he continues to be a praying man. And I want you to see that God is global. Even more than that, he's, 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 he's the creator of the universe. So he, he doesn't worry about frequent flyer miles, okay? He can get to you right where you are. And I want us to look at that. I said, nothing surprises God. He works all things together for the good. He's faithful. Can you follow a faithful God? You think about that. When you know that God is our provider, when we know that God has, has given his best for us to secure us for eternity, how does that make you feel? Does it pull some of the bricks off your back? Does it get some of the worry out of the way? I want us to hear these things because I, I like when we have other folks come in to share. And Angela's been a lot of different places. Vincent from, a, from another country. And so willingly to share about their different experiences. But guess what? It's our same God. You hear what I'm saying? Our God loves us all the same. No matter where you're born at, no matter what you look like, no matter how you speak, all that. He is the God of the universe. And his blood was shed for each and every one of us. And I look at this. I said, God doesn't worry, so why do you? How many worries we got here today? Oh, come on, raise your hands over here. We can worry sometimes. But think about that. I, I, that just came to me last night when I was working through a few things. God doesn't worry. God doesn't say, oh boy, I got that buddy Chapman. I'm coming up on Sunday. Woo, where are we going to do that? You know? 
or you can fill in the blank with any of that. You know, but God doesn't worry. God knows the beginning from the end and he knows who you are and he knows the plan that he has for your life. So in those challenging times, realize that we don't need to worry. We need to follow by faith. Amen. Everybody doing good? We'll keep on rolling here. But we've got choices. We've got free will, don't we? We all have a choice. And I think that's the great thing about Christianity. God doesn't put you in the Holy Ghost headlock. You can come to Him or not. I strongly suggest that we do. It's so much better. He's got everything we need. He's more than enough. But a lot of times we want to do it our way. But I want us to know this, even though we have a choice, that that choice didn't come free. Alright? God didn't want robots. I know you all know that. But think about that. He doesn't, from maybe you know what you're going to love and you're going to do this. It's, it's not like, you know what it said? Out of all those things, they took time to build their relationship with the Lord. Did y'all hear that? A relationship with the Lord. See, I was telling somebody not too long ago, and they said, well, how many people come to church? And everybody's always about the numbers and all that. And I told this young fellow this. I said, I don't care about filling up seats. I care about filling up hearts with the truth of God's word. Amen. Amen? That's the deal. Because if you fill people's heart up with hope of the Lord Jesus Christ, the seats will come. Amen? And if not, you know what? If they're not here, I pray that there's somewhere else that God is feeding them. Folks are feeding them the Word of God. Amen? So that's what I hope that we see as we go through. We have a choice. We can either reject God or receive God. And guess what? If you don't receive God and you say, well, I'm going to put it off another day, guess what you've just done? You've, you've, already, you've already rejected Him. Amen? We've already rejected Him. And make sure that's on there. So what else do we got? Every time that we listen to a sermon or every time that we spend time with God, I think it should bring us to a, to a choice, to a place of decision. So, you know, we think about things today, and, and he shared about different things that he experienced. There's Everybody's got a story. You notice he said everybody's got a story. Now, a lot of times I've talked to people over the years, and they said, well, I've never been in another country. Or I don't play music. Or I, I, didn't, I didn't go to jail for 20 years and have this big testimony. Let me tell you, your testimony is just as amazing as anyone else's in the world. When you come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ, you have come, left death and moved to life, spiritually speaking. And not only that, your life starts to work in abundance because he says, you know what? I come to give you life in abundance. And when we're talking about abundance, so many times people want to talk about financial and things they can put their hands on. How much is peace worth? It's priceless, isn't it? Can you see it? You can see the effects of it, right? But you can experience. You can feel that. You can, you can live that. And I tell you what, when things happen in your life and you don't have that peace, you'll give about anything for it. But let me tell you what. God gave everything for it through His Son, Jesus Christ, so that we can have peace. And when I say that, I don't just mean peace. Like, you know, everything is cool. I mean peace with Him. He's an amazing God. He's an awesome and holy God. He cannot be around sin. All of sin and fall short of the glory of God. So God said, you know what? You, they, can't, they can't come back to me on their own. So they sent, He sent Jesus to wash us and purify us. What was the song we sang this morning? Blameless. Have you ever been guilty of something? And man, it's going down. It's coming down. Maybe as a kid. Oh man, here, here comes the wrath. And then forgiveness steps in. Whew. You give them one of these, right? 
How much more has God done for you and forgiven all your sin? Bought and paid for in full. But we need to receive that. Now, if I told everybody, and I like to use this here a lot of times, the biggest bill that most of us ever have is usually our home. And many of us are still paying on our home. And if I told you, I said, I'll tell you what, you guys line up right here. I'm going to write the balance off. I'm going to write your check to pay that house off. And you'll be debt free. How would that feel? That'd feel pretty good, wouldn't it? Oh gosh, I don't have, I don't have very many checks today, I guess. That, wouldn't that feel pretty good? I mean, that would be amazing. Now think about this. We serve a God. We have a God that comes to us and says, you know what? I paid your sin debt in full. Where did I sign? Where did I sign up? What, what, what must I do to be saved? Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. So with that, we see challenges that we're all faced with. We see choices that we all have to make. And here we go. Then there's change. Once we go through the challenges and we make those choices, then we see the change. Some of the choices that we make do not produce the change that we desire. Amen? Anybody ever make a bad choice? I was going to say, anybody want to give me a few more minutes? Go ahead. Put up your hand. Some people got hands feet, everything else. But you know what? Sometimes that's what we read, though, isn't it? But don't you know this, that God's grace is amazing, that God's love is amazing for you. His forgiveness is there for you. And he can still work all things together for the good. Now, I've sit with people, sit with people all the time. This is going to be a very difficult day here in a few minutes. I'm going to be sitting with folks that lost a loved one like this. Went to bed and never woke up. No time to say bye. No time to say I love you. Their lives are changed forever. Amen. And here's the thing. All of us will deal with that. Somebody we know will leave this place. It's been a while since I looked it up, but they used to say 150,000 people die a day. 150,000 people die a day. And many of them leave this earth not knowing the Lord Jesus Christ. So where will they go? Y'all go. You can say it. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, isn't that narrow-minded? No, that's biblical teaching. If we reject the only way to heaven, there's only one thing left, hell. See, a lot of times, I know when I was rocking and rolling, and you guys heard the story many times, I thought I could just walk on the fence, you know? But what I found out was that the devil owns the fence. So I just jumped over with Jesus. But God was so patient with me, how about you? God is so patient and, 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 and gracious with us. He's so loving that even when we do blow it, he says, turn back to me. That's what it means when we repent. We turn from our sin and turn back to God. We agree with Him that, you know what, God, this is not the best for us. And God says, you know what, you're right. Come on back. God, God doesn't hold up scorecards. Have you ever been in a relationship? And as soon as things, you, you say, well, I'm sorry about that. They go, okay, yeah. And you keep walking in that relationship. And then something happens. They go, that's just like when you did that three years ago, 16 months and uh, 18 seconds ago. You hear people say, I, I, I forgive, but I don't forget. Think about that. Aren't you glad that God forgets? He says, I bury your sin in the sea of forgetfulness. Isn't that amazing? When you are cleansed and you are blameless, you're cleansed and blameless. Spotless. That's the power of what God has done for us. So I look at that. I said, today we need to embrace the change and trust the Lord. Don't let your past control your future. But share that he, he, he wanted to go into architectural stuff. And from an A minus, 
it transformed everything in his life, everything that he'd been working for for years and years and years. He's got a little time in on that. He left home at eight. He's going all the time. He's, he's going with this. Hey, what is it? Three months on, one month off. Three months on, one month Year after year after year. And this is the prize. This is the prize. I'm going to be an architect one day. This is what I'm going to do. And with one minus, that was off the table. That was off the table. What is it that God's put in your heart that you're dreaming about and you keep pushing on and all that? Don't you know that God is the God of second chances? See, when the door closed in Kenya, a window opened up in the United States. That's a big guy. Amen? I bet you that might have been a little scary. You know something I was listening to? He said, here we have seasons. Let me tell you what. In your life, you have seasons. There's a time for each thing. You know what? There's a, there's a time to live it up. There's a time to rest up. There's a time to plant. There's a time to harvest. There's a, to reseed. All those things like that. So what season of your life are you in today? Is it one that you harvest? Is it one that you reseed? Is it, do we need a little more fertilizer? I mean, what is it? Do we need to prune some things in our life? I don't know what it is. But that's the challenge. And now today we come to a point that that's your choice. So what is your choice in that? Let's go back to our scripture again. I got it right here. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean out on your own understanding and all your ways of knowledge him and he will make your path straight. If we could get that in our spirit, if we could get that in our speech, if we could get that in our walking, what could we do? Anything God called us to do. Amen. Keeping our eyes and our focus on the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, on the finished work of the cross and knowing that we are a child of God. Amen. Isn't it amazing to know whose you are? See, see, you might, sometimes we need to know who we are, and that's great. But when you also know whose you are, man, that's the icing on the cake. When you know you're a child of God. Isn't it great to know that you never get a busy signal with God? Isn't it great to know that regardless of your past, present, any of those things, it does not have to control your future. And that's what I wanted to really end on today. He didn't stop. He kept pursuing his dream. He kept chasing after that. No doubt prayers and tears and prayers and tears and hard work and perseverance came into play. That's pretty amazing. Now I'm going to brag on my buddy this week. I've worked at my job for 32 years. And I've known him. When I first met him, he might not know. I think it was 2004 when he came over for a meeting. And just kind of hit it off. And we immediately start talking about the Lord. And I just wouldn't see him all the time. I've seen him from time to time. I will tell you this. While you're here, I have never heard anybody speak ill of my friend. That's pretty good. That's pretty good track record. Not saying he don't miss the mark just like any of us. But I'm going to tell you, when you have somebody that's got a grateful heart, it pours out in the way they treat others. Amen. It pours out in the way you deal with the people that you work with. It, 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 it pours out when you look for a solution instead of always finding a problem and not coming forth with, it, with, with anything to fix it. You see what I'm saying? But those traits surely were developed over the time when it was time. He says he doesn't run. I beg to differ. We all run. We run this race and this journey. 
Christ. Amen. And aren't you glad that God gives us a fresh day, a new day, because we can trust in Him. So friends, let me tell you today, I pray that I don't know what your challenge is, but God is a big God. I don't know what choices you need to make, but I'm going to tell you what, when we seek the Lord, He will guide us and He will nurture us in the right way to make that decision. And then guess what? Be ready for the change. Most folks don't like change. We like it autopilot. But really on the other side of things, aren't you glad there's a few things that changed in your life? Aren't you glad that there were some decisions made? And here's some time. We want change, but we want it our way on our terms and all those things. Is God a good God? Amen. Is He faithful? And He's trustworthy. Amen. Does God love you? If you ever have any doubt about how much God loves you, look to the cross. That settles it right there. But He didn't just finish it there. He finished when He rose on the third day. And when we put our faith and trust in that finished work of the cross, the gospel, the good news, the message of Jesus Christ, let me tell you, it starts helping us make those decisions wiser, quicker, better, and with peace. Because we serve amazing God. Let us pray. Father God, I thank you so much for today. I thank you for my buddy Vic coming in and sharing his story. And each one here has a story. I pray that each one realizes that their story is just as amazing and unique than anyone else's. And Father, I thank you today that as we go and we, we dig into your word and we trust in the Lord with all our hearts. And we lean that on our own understanding. But we trust in Him and we acknowledge Him in all our ways. Lord, help us to acknowledge You in all our ways so that You will fill us, Lord. And Lord, we thank You that we get second chances. We get freshness. We get new days. And Lord, I pray each one that listens to this message will be encouraged to make that decision for Christ. You say, what do you mean make a decision for Christ? To call on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of His sin. The Bible is very clear. It says, all have sinned and fall short for the glory of God. What must I do? What would I do? The Bible tells us right after that in Romans chapter 10. It says, if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Now, friends, let me tell you, if that's your prayer today, pray it right here from your heart. If you're online, you can pray where you're at there and say, Lord, I believe what you've done for me on that cross. Lord, I know that I'm a sinner. I come to you today and I ask you to forgive me and I put my faith and trust in you, Lord, today. I thank you and I receive that. Amen. Friends, let me tell you what. I don't know what challenge you have in your life and I never underestimate that. But what I want to do is lift up and reveal to you and point to our God who is worthy. Amen. Our God who is a good God. Give the Lord a hand clap.